Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our sixth episode of The Village Podcast. This season has been all about hope, and we've been telling some pretty amazing stories. Today is no exception to that. Um, Today's episode is with one of my favorite people in the world. She's like my little sister, and her name's Imogen. She has a really powerful story to tell, and she talks about it in the start, but I think it really can help provide a roadmap. And I know when her and I were first discussing doing this, her intentions were really to make people feel less alone in this space. Imogen lost her brother at the beginning of 2020. Um, He died from an accidental drug overdose and she's had to navigate a lot in the past few years. Um, and I know she she speaks about how there can be a lot of resources for a, a lot of elements of grief in our life, but there's not a whole lot out there for siblings, um, especially in the adult space. So really that's what we were wanting to open a conversation about today and chat to Imi about so that she can share a little bit about how she moved through that time. She speaks with so much grace and I think she speaks just so beautifully and I really hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. Um, Imi, if you're listening, I love you so very much and I'm very, very grateful to be walking this path alongside you. Um, Your family is everything to me. They are my second family and... Um, I just want to send a whole lot of love out to them and to anyone that's experiencing grief and loss at the moment as well. I hope this episode can help bring a little bit of light. Enjoy guys. You ready girl? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that we're doing this. I feel like we spoke about it. Oh my God. We spoke about it like yeah. six months ago before I even knew I was doing this. I know. Here and we are. Here we are. And we're drinking a cocktail. Can you tell us about the cocktail that we're drinking? Oh, we're drinking a Charlie Chaplin. It's a little bit of a slow mm-hmm. gin and apricot liqueur with a bit of lime. And it is divine if I do say it so It is myself. divine. Mm. We'll do a little cheers yeah, to that cheers. one. Cheers to the oh, episode. such a sad cheers. <laughs> That's okay. Mm. Yummo. We, we go on. Yeah. Um, well, like all the other episodes, we like to start with a little bit of inspiration. So what have you got for us today, Imogen? I have, um, a little quote that I actually found because, um, I was really inspired by one of my favorite podcasts, Darling Shine, which I guess it's, you know, all about getting through the hard times, which I'm sure we'll delve into a little bit more, but I, I was actually looking for the um, quote that they used for to inspire the podcast, but then I found this one. I thought, wow, that's quite inspirational. (laughs) Um, So what it says is, one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. And I just think that sums up what I want to do. I love that and I think that's definitely why you and I spoke about you coming on here as well, because Mm. I think you have a very powerful story that needs to be told as well. So I'm excited to be able to help tell it with a cocktail in hand. Of course. (laughs) What have you got? Yeah. So mine was really interesting. I actually, it popped into my head today for some random reason. And then I started to think about it more and I was like, wow, I think this is really relevant to what we're going to talk about today. And I don't even know where it came from. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't figure it out. But it's something along the lines of time doesn't heal wounds. You actually have to heal them yourself. Mm -hmm. And it literally just popped into my head today. I've heard it before. And I was like, that's really interesting. But then I almost in my own head disagreed with it. And I was like, well, I don't disagree with this, but I think there's a balance. I think there's a balance of time healing wounds, but then also taking measures to help heal yourself and maybe nurture yourself. And I don't know, I feel like it could be relevant to today. Like, Mm -hmm. would you agree with that? How do you feel about Yeah, I definitely think that it's definitely a balance. And I think that, um, yeah, you know, time, they do say time heals all wounds, which I don't, Mm. I think that that's alone is false. Also, I don't think it's just goes without 
you know, the effort. I think you definitely need to put the effort in and learn about yourself in order to heal wounds. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's a thing that happens over time just by chance or the fact that over time things get easier, who knows? We're all learning, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like there are some people who can just like cruise through with time, but that's because things happen and they're sort of forced to face them maybe. But then there are a lot of people who get to the place where they're like, okay, well, maybe I'll go and do something that might help me Mm. as well. And then that combination of like that over time, slowly chipping away can help as well. Yeah. And you know, like time heals all wounds, but like what's happening in that time. Exactly. Exactly. You got to be like doing something. Yeah. And which I think is important to know, like, you know, you don't want to go through something traumatic and then just be like oh well over time (laughs) moving on yeah well do you know what I think is really interesting about that and we kind of were talking about this before is that it something can happen and you can almost think you're okay as well Mm. but triggers and all of these little things like it it kind of resurfaces until you do do something about like it's always gonna be there yeah yeah unless you like doing something about it as well for sure so I don't know you can think you're okay but yeah. Maybe you're not. Yeah. Well, I guess the best place to start though is can we know a little bit about you yes. and and then can you tell us a little bit about the last few years that you've experienced because I know it's been very tough and challenging on you. So Of course. Well, I am Imogen. I prefer to be called Imi. It gives me the <laughs> ick saying Imogen. <laughs> um, I am 23 and I live on the South Coast. Um, I am a social worker which I really enjoy. Like chatting to people, I'm a big talker, which if you didn't already know, you will see. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I just I like to think I'm fairly laid back and, yeah, I guess roll with the punches, which I try to do, and the punches keep coming. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, I mean, I guess to give a little context to all the little dark jokes I'm making um yeah so I mean I guess the start of 2020 was pretty grim for me and my family we lost my cousin unexpectedly in January which was a pretty big blow for everyone and um yeah so that was pretty pretty awful and um yeah I mean there's not much you can say but like not really my story to tell I guess but Um, yes. So, and then six weeks after losing my cousin, we lost my brother Liam also unexpectedly. So yeah, it was a very shitty start to 2020. It was like, I don't know, it was kind of one of those funny things that I think all the world was feeling the gloom and doom of a pandemic starting. And, you know, on top of all of that, me and my family like lost two, like a 20, five-year-old and a 27-year-old in six weeks like it was pretty crazy um yeah I mean I can go I can sort of well do you want to tell us a little bit about Liam maybe and yeah so yeah I guess that's probably a good good way to get into that a little bit more so um yeah my brother Liam was 27 last year when he passed away so I mean I think that says a lot that he was a part of the 27 club Mm. I think you know (laughs) he's pretty legendary in a lot of people's eyes um yeah he was living in England when he died and he was a chef and yeah an amazing chef really amazing chef like you know pretty pretty crazy some of the stuff he did he you know achieved so much and um, yeah, I mean, I guess to me, he was just my big brother and he was funny and like loved music, loved food, which, you know, since his diet has been kind of amazing. Cause they're all of these things that I can feel connected to him in those things that he loved, which is really special. But yeah, I mean, in terms of him passing away, he, you know, he dealt with addiction throughout his older years and, um, Yeah, so he, in 2014, he was, you know, struggling pretty, pretty badly with his addictions. And um, that was a really, you know, dark time for me and my family and for Liam particularly. And, you know, he came out of that and had five amazing years where he got to travel, he got to be in like a really serious relationship with Haz, which was 
you know, amazing for him as well. And yeah, and then he moved over to the UK in 2019, in the middle of 2019 and got a job and he was being, you know, living the dream and we were all so stoked for him. And yeah, I mean, I didn't even know he was (laughs) struggling with his addiction when he passed away, but yeah, I just, one day in March last year, I woke up to go to work and had, you know, um, heaps of missed calls from my auntie who, um, was lived near Liam and was really good support for all of them. And yeah, I just, I had a lot of missed calls from her and she was, she was looking for my parents and this was at like 6am and I don't know, I think like looking back, it's kind of like, I think I knew, I remember really being like, I just hope, I remember having this like vision that he'd been mugged and that like (laughs) he was in hospital or something. And it's really funny because I remember when I had that thought, I was kind of like, either something like that's happened or he's died. And like, I think if it was almost like weighing up what would be worse, because you know, if he'd hypothetically been mugged and had been stabbed or something, or had been in an accident and he was in hospital, like that would have been so, I imagine, so traumatic for him. Yeah. But then I was almost like, but if he dies, like that's so traumatic for yeah. me. Anyway, and I remember like. Wow, that's, yeah, wow. Yeah, and so, yeah, and I just, I was chatting to my auntie over text and then, yeah, I basically had to say to her like, you know, she would, I don't think, and I understand she wanted to talk to my parents so she didn't, you know, tell me what was going on but, you know, she, I knew it was about Liam and then I said, oh, you know, I've, I'm supposed to be going to work and she said, oh, you need to cancel work. And, like, when she said that I was like, yeah, okay, so he's passed away and, um, yeah, my boyfriend Seamus wasn't at home so I was alone at 6 a.m. in my room and then I just went downstairs to my roommate and one of my besties, Christina, and I just went into her room and I was like shaking and I just said something's happened. And then, yeah, just kind of rallied the troops. And then finally my parents were out on a walk. That's why they couldn't get onto, my auntie couldn't get onto them. But yeah, basically I ended up, my auntie said, you can call your parents. And I called my dad and I could hear my mum crying in the back, which was very awful and yeah my dad just said um I'm sorry to do this to you again and like because he'd been the one to tell me about my cousin yeah and so it was just like yeah and then I don't know it's almost like you see it in the movies but like it's honestly like you know after a gun goes off and then you just hear the like white noise it was honestly like it was just so bizarre and I look back on that and I'm like, wow, that is, you see those things happen in the movies and they're crazy but then you're like, wow, I can't believe I lived that. And yeah, then, like, did that actually happen to me? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was it was crazy. And even now thinking back on it, it's like almost feels like an out-of-body experience but, yeah, it was crazy. But, like, and I'm, you know, so grateful that Christina was there for that and yeah. was able to be there and then, you know, slowly got to speak to other people and it was just and I think like the other part that was so crazy is that like you know we went home to Jerangong where my parents live Rory and I my other brother and um yeah like we were all together but I think the part that was really um like powerful and sad is that like you know by that evening in the same way that we were all there six weeks earlier like my whole family had you know rallied around and we'd all come down and it was just like such a bizarre experience to like you know be in that sort of same exact same place with everyone for another young person six weeks later and it's just crazy and then add on to that the fact that he was overseas and then COVID happened yeah that was also yes so I mean, that's the other thing that's been, I guess, really challenging for me and my family in terms of healing is that, you know, he was in the UK and the situation changed so quickly. I mean, we were hoping to go over to the UK right when he died 
but then, you know, things just kicked off so quickly Mm. and yeah, we still haven't been able to go over, which has been, yeah, I guess I think I have found it. Like I don't, I can't really speak for my parents or Rory, but like, I think I found that kind of tricky in terms of it's not and it's not about closing a chapter at all like you know I want to carry Liam and his memory with me for the rest of my life but like I think you know I haven't been to his house that he was in I haven't sat in the restaurant he worked at like I haven't been able to do any of that and I think that that's and I think because he was overseas like I never saw his body once he passed away like you know and I now that it's you know been over 18 months can appreciate that like it's not going to happen but like because he was overseas he could walk into a room and I wouldn't you know it's just like yeah he was away before then and he just has never come home I guess like he could just be away now yeah yeah yeah. so I guess yeah it's an interesting concept and hard but it is what it is and here we are yeah yeah. Well, tell it like, so obviously you're here cause you're one of my closest friends, but I'll preface this by saying like, I've never been through anything like this. So I obviously can't relate to you in, in that way. So I really just want to preface by saying that as well. And you're here to tell your story and I'm here to listen, mm. but you were obviously plunged into like a fair bit of darkness quite mm. quickly then as well. I mm. mean, especially with your cousin prior. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about like, those first few weeks and what that was like sort of navigating that space initially for you? Yeah, I mean, I think as I've like said to you before, I think it was, you know, in hindsight a blur yeah. <laughs> basically. Like, um, you know, I, I think back to that time and I don't remember a lot. Like I definitely remember obviously the day Liam died very well and like, you know, that I guess like the days after that, you know, they were just surrounded by loved ones and, you know, people bringing us coffee like you did, which was, you know, those really nice little gestures. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, it's kind of hard to fathom in the first little while. And I think like, I think a lot of people, whether they've been through, um, grief or not, which I mean, everyone really has, but I think like, in terms of someone really close to you dying, I think people often hear about how like, oh, you know, well, um, you're not really present for the funeral. Like it's such a blur. And it was like, it's so funny because I think about going to funerals before that of people that were young and like immediate family and being like, oh, it's so bizarre. They don't, they're not like really upset. Like, you know, how awful, but like thinking about going to Liam's funeral, like I remember like dancing and laughing and, you know, cause you just, I was so not present in a way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think in those first few weeks, so Liam died on the 2nd of March and like, I wouldn't know what date we did go into lockdown, but it was not long after that. No. And yeah, I think it was a challenging time because everyone was so consumed by COVID and, um, you know, what, what that was like. And it was just a really crazy time to be like navigating grief. And, you know, I was definitely really well supported by my friends and my family, like no doubt about that. But I think in terms of, you know, how quickly the world moves, like everyone just was so consumed by this new crazy pandemic. And, um, yeah, but I mean, I guess, as hard as that was, it was kind of nice because, you know, me and Rory moved home to my parents' house and we were there for like six mm. months and we all were together. And yeah, it was nice. Like just yeah, the world really stopped. And I think, you know, I've spoken to other people that I'm close to who have lost loved ones and they talk about how like when the world keeps moving, when someone dies, that's really frustrating because you're a bit like why are you still going out and doing these things like don't you know this really shitty things happened to me but like for us the world stopped yeah (laughs) kind of stopped around yeah like everyone was consumed by that but like it did stop and yeah I mean I definitely tried to keep fairly busy I think I walked like a 30,000 steps a day (laughs) and yeah like I I did 
I finished uni last year when the year Liam died and it was a tough one. I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to do uni, especially because I did social work. So, you know, I was dealing with some pretty traumatic topics at uni as well as, you know, trying to navigate my own grief. Um, But I did decide to, you know, continue with uni and I just sort of tried to distract myself with that. And, yeah, I mean... As I said, I think like overall it just feels like a bit blurry, but we, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where I think I heard a quote once and it was about, you know, people asked me how I can be so strong, but I didn't realise I had a choice and you're just a bit like. Oh, I just got so many goosebumps. Yeah. I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's probably not correct but like the quote exactly but I think I have always really thought that that is really powerful because yeah like I mean you just got thrown in the deep end yeah like you just got thrown there was no yeah and you just gotta learn to paddle yeah and I think when you're saying like the whole blur thing and like to me it sounds like it would have just been shock as Mm. well like Mm. that and you talking about the funeral like your body was obviously in a lot of shock how could it not have been Mm. Yeah, and it is amazing, like, how your body, you know, responds to that sort of level of stress and, um, and you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm, I remember my parents' neighbour, she's, like, this really lovely down-to-earth lady and she's very, like, into, you know, natural remedies and things. And I remember going for a walk and mum saying she had this really awful pain in this spot in her back and our neighbor just knew to touch that spot and she just was like oh that's your body that's because like that's what your body is doing yeah like I don't know I don't know if it was like her kidney or something I don't really know but like it's just so amazing that how your body works and how it can respond to those sort of you know stressful events and it just it's basically working to keep you going yeah and you've been thrown in the deep end and your body's just trying to figure out how to swim yeah and it's crazy that it can physically manifest like that like it can literally be physical for so many people yeah for sure what about like um starting to find like some of those pieces of light coming out of those few weeks like what did you find that really helped you like you were saying that obviously like you were around your family I remember that Mm. I remember thinking that even at the time being like wow lockdown like the fact Mm. that you were all just together seemed so in a weird way like special to me I was like how amazing that they just like have to be together and being together right now and like the universe forced them to just like be together that wasn't always really (laughs) special and nice sometimes it was not fun no not at all but like um, yeah the fact that there was like no reason to not be together yeah 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 especially and like you know something like a concept of working from home that's like not really something we'd heard of before but like you know Rory who works in Sydney was able to live at home and be with his immediate family and yeah I don't know it's it's it is really funny to think about and like in a way I feel really sad that we couldn't go overseas and have that part of it but then at the same time it is really special that we all were together but yeah I mean in terms of those like finding little bits of light I think like you know I think there's I really like I love laughing and I really like to make I guess others laugh and I think that's something my whole family you know we really try to (laughs) see the bright side and there really is no bright side when someone young dies but like yeah, I think just being able to, you know, laugh. Like I think it's funny in hindsight looking at things like movies where you see someone grieving and, like, you know, you see this montage of people not laughing for, like, months and months. But it's just like, well, what do you want me to do? Like <laughs> sit around and and you might do that. But I just really... And everyone, you know, has their own journey, but I think like... I mean, that's what I love about your family. Yeah, just like I love having a laugh and (laughs) doing Can you tell the story about when we were at the Grand after the... (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. So... Also, can I, I tell this other favorite? Can I tell this other story that, like, I genuinely think Liam sent this little bastard down to earth? Tell me in the mall. So... The day that the day after Liam died, we 
posted about it on um, social media. I have to find this. And this boy who I must have messaged in high school, I kind of can't even remember this guy's name. So we Maybe posted. Maybe his name. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> this guy messages me on Facebook um, like maybe 10 minutes after we've posted about Liam dying. Oh, my gosh, what is his name? Anyway, it was ridiculous. Anyway, and obviously, like, people start messaging you being like, oh, my goodness, I've just seen this news. I'm so sorry. But this guy messages me and I just see the preview and I'm thinking, what is this? And I open it and he's going, oh, my God, I've just um, you've just popped up on my newsfeed and I had to message you. You probably get this all the time, but you look like this actress. <laughs> and then sends me a photo what? of this actress who, for starters, doesn't look like me at all. And, like, that's the kind of thing where I just, I had to laugh. I was like, are you serious? And I wanted so badly to message him and say, like, oh God, I go wish back to my post that's in your news feed and maybe like have a read. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, is this guy for real? Like I just simply don't understand. Anyway, the grand. Wait, but do you think, story. do you really think Liam? Is- yeah. I think that that was like, that's why I can't find him now, obviously. <laughs> Cause it was Liam. No. Um, I love oh, that. God, it was, it was. Did so, you just leave him on scene? I think so. Yeah. The I wish bastard. I'd. Yeah. He's probably he's still probably wondering. <laughs> Where is she? Where's my actress queen? Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, the grand. So after Liam's funeral, we went to the grand and, like, I think, I don't know what happened, but I was drinking so many of these Kayama Coladas. i got to say that's probably Kaya one of the, Coladas. yeah, this beautiful concoction of Malibu pineapple juice, something else. Bliss. Absolute bliss, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, I was drinking one of the, lots of those really. I think like that's as someone's funeral close to you is going to be one of the only days that people buy you nonstop drinks. Yeah. Anyway, something came over me and I could not stop using this British accent <laughs> and calling everyone baby, but I, I'm scared. I would try to do it now, but I'm scared I'll stuff it up. I feel like it was like baby. <laughs> like, what are you doing yeah. It was more of like a. Oh, gosh, I'm going to – I would love to do it, but I'm just so scared I'm going to stop it up. Um, I need I'll to give you, like a you another cocktail. Yeah, like um, get me another – no, that's not yeah, it. No. I have another one of those, baby. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I just anyway. couldn't stop talking in that accent and I was obviously so drunk, almost got kicked out of this pub. But I don't even know what came over me and, like <laughs> – I think one of the worst parts, and this isn't like me at all, but whatever this like British <laughs> alter like, ego, alter ego, I fell over and my mum, who wasn't drinking, came out and she was getting so angry at everyone for buying me drinks and she was like, Imogen, get over here now. <laughs> she wasn't that angry. That sounds so repressive. Yeah, I can't imagine it. Anyway, but I like stumbled over in, and in front of this couple that were having dinner and mum, like, picks me up. She's like, oh, come on, come on, like, like go to the bathroom. And these people are staring at me like, what is this woman doing? It's like 4 o'clock on a <laughs> <Yeah>. Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> and my mum goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we're at her brother's funeral. And they go, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. And in that accent, I go, I don't want your pity. <laughs> She, who is that woman? Because put her down. <laughs> Did you use a swear word though? Oh, probably. I don't want your, your fucking, fucking pity. pity. I don't. I think I said pity party. I don't want your pity party. That's what I said. <laughs> anyway, I really wish I was present in that moment, but yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> and it's funny because following that, I want oh. everyone's pity. You wanted everyone's pity. Yeah, like I actually, that's a joke. I want everyone's pity. No. Just kidding, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Just trying to find that fine line. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're so funny. Anyway, Mm. that was a good one. 
that was probably one of my favorite stories I have to Mm. say. Um, okay. But I guess then like the other thing I would really love to know about that time was, I mean, and I talk about this a lot and it's interesting because I've heard you talk about it, that element of like distraction that we just Mm. kind of need in those initial stages. Like I'm such a big believer in when these things happen, like allow yourself to be distracted for as long as you kind of need. But I do feel like there tends to be a breaking point where it's like, yeah, okay, well, I can't keep going down this path. So what am I supposed to do now? Did you find that? And how was your, yeah. I mean, I think like over the last whatever, 18 months, I guess, like, I think uh, when we talk about that, like element of shock, I think you expect that to like just come to a abrupt stop like and you know there's yeah. definitely I definitely you know have triggers but I think like I think I kind of imagined when Liam died that I I was in this element of shock and that that was going to end and it was going to be like this huge gray cloud of grief that I was going to have to work through but then I'd come through it and I'd be you know the same person I was yeah on the 1st of March 2020 but yeah, I think like initially I, I think being distracted was good, going to uni and going for walks and, um, you know, just trying to go about my day-to-day life. But I think something I've found is that whether it's moved from like a distraction into a, you know, the new normal, I think like, you know, I haven't really worked. I think like I I, I – get through my day to day and I don't think I'm, you know, shoving anything down per se, but like, I don't, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think I've ever had a time that's been this huge bubble of, you know, grief that I've gone through. Like, I think it's a, I now just am in a, this new life where I am trying to live my life and, um, you know, as I can, but also acknowledging that, you know, tomorrow I might fall into a crumble and that's okay too. And, um, I'm trying to remember where I'm going with this. No, but I really love what you're saying. Cause I think it's different to how a lot of people do think. And yeah. like, I think a lot of people think that they're just in anything they go through, there can just come a point where you are the same person you were before mm. or there, you know, mm. it's, we look at it as being very, I guess the right word would almost be like linear. Yeah. Like there's defined points and like, you know how people say there's like the six stages of Uh grief or whatever. I was reading something about that the other day where they were like, that is absolute shit. Like, you know, cause they were like, I go through six stages every day. Like it's, you know, but people can view it as being very linear when Mm. reality, I mean, maybe a way to look at it is that it is more circular. Yeah. It's something that just keeps, you know, it's ever present, but it's, I don't know. I just find it really interesting in you saying that because I do think maybe that's an idea that we need to break down and stop thinking of, which is like, oh, I'm just going to go back to being the same person. I think so. And I think like, um, something that I think is really important about like storytelling and having other people to, you know, feel like you're not alone is like something I found really valuable is, you know, when Liam first died, I, went to, um, see a, see a, um, psychologist, which in some ways was really great. And I think it was really good to work through, I guess, some of the things that I maybe felt guilty about in my relationship with Liam and like, I guess, reframing those things Mm. to feel that that was a, like a thing of love, not a thing of, you know, anger and stuff like that. I think that was really important for me then, but I think like I didn't really feel that I delved into what I would have at that point perceived as like something I need to do to get through my grief. And then like earlier, and then I stopped going to see that psychologist. And then at the start of this year, I was, you know, going through, I was feeling really anxious, like the sort of anxiety I had never sort of dealt with before. And so I went back to see the psychologist and, you know, a lot of that anxiety stuff was stemming from my work. And I went in sort of with that, but also saying, I also had this really traumatic thing. Sorry. 
gross. <laughs> Happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck editing that burp out. <laughs> you, can, you can keep that in. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, I love you so And then much. Um, that, is a, that is a written thing, these burps. Like why is burping normal and farting is like horrific i don't understand anyway anyway back to my <laughs> seriousness oh my God. um yeah anyway so i went to see this psychologist and it was sort of based around i was feeling really anxious about work but <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just feel like we've really encapsulated what you said at the start about you using comedy yeah. to hair. <laughs> thank you thank you i've Continue. been here all week i've been here all episode um yeah anyway so i went to see a psychologist about um yeah all this anxiety i was feeling about my job and then i also was being a bit like but i also this. had this really traumatic thing happen anyway and she she was also amazing and like really helped me um, work through a lot of my anxiety and, you know, ultimately quit the job that I was doing, which was not fulfilling me. Do not ever let yourself feel like you have to stay at a job for a year just because mm, you, you signed a contract yeah, or something. Like yes. Yeah. If it's making your <clears throat> mental health go down the toilet, then don't stay there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think like I also got to the end of working through my anxiety and things like that. And I just couldn't, I just felt like it was so forced whenever I was talking to her about my grief. Like I just, I would feel myself holding back. And if I felt like I was going to cry, I felt like I was not wanting to do that. And you know, whether that's something about the psychologist, but like, I really, I genuinely liked seeing her. I just think I didn't, I didn't feel ready to talk about that. And I just like, didn't understand that. But then you know, going back to my recommendation of Darling Shine is something that Elodie talks about in that who's lost her partner is that like she hasn't gone to see a psychologist because she's not ready to talk about that. And I think that like it was so interesting to me because I hadn't really like I guess been able to articulate what it was that why I didn't want to see or talk about my grief to that psychologist. And I think hearing someone else going through a similar thing say I just didn't want to do it yet like it was nice to sort of reframe that and be like okay like I don't have to do that right now and like you know I'm hoping that I'm going to be alive for another like 70 years and I'm sure down the track I might feel like I want to speak to a psychologist about my grief but like right now that's not what I want to do and like being okay with that and being like okay well I'm managing okay and if I'm not, then I know that there's avenues and I know yeah. I can speak to someone and that's good too. But, you know, knowing that you just got to find your way. And well, it's so about like honoring where you're at personally. But I think the biggest key to that is feeling validated in those feelings, mm. because I think a lot of times we compare ourselves to another person's journey or what we read in a book or yeah. what we think we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then you feel like something's wrong with you because yeah, you know, maybe the next logical step for everyone else is to go and see a psychologist. So mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, what's going on with me? I don't mm-hmm. understand. And yeah. you force it or you, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. But to actually, I think it actually takes more courage to sit back and be like, no, that's not what's going to suit me right now. Yeah. Maybe in the future, but mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to myself right now. Yeah. And that's saying this. Yeah. And I think like, as long as you're listening to yourself and you have, and you know, this is I guess kind of a part of me being a social worker is there's such emphasis on self-care mm. and knowing yourself and knowing what the signs are for you that you're not coping. And I think that that's like really important. And I think that I've got, you know, I've got things that I like to do that relax me. And I also, you know, I have conversations, I guess, like this, if without the microphone in between us, like having <laughs> but these, the cocktail still, just not the mic. <laughs> But like having, you know, just these casual conversations with friends that are really meaningful and, you know, you might just, you know, in a similar to how you probably feel about some of your other friends and maybe me, I don't know, but like, you know, just, you know, your friend might say something in passing that they're just, it's a thought for them or it might just be something that they feel, but like, it's not, you know, and it's, it can have so much meaning to you. And I think, mm. I think 
think that like having someone to validate your feelings is really important. And like, I think that's why I almost didn't feel like I needed to see a psychologist is because I have a really good support system and people around me who validate my feelings and who let me feel how I feel. Mm. And like, I feel safe in those relationships to open up and feel vulnerable. And so like, I didn't, I felt like I had that, which is such a special thing and not something that everyone has. Um, but yeah, like, I think that that's, you know, something I've had, which has been really good. Yeah. And maybe that's just what you need right now. Mm. But yeah, I definitely think so. Like when, like I said it to you earlier, like when I was going through something that was like really hard for me personally, like I remember sitting down with you and having that initial thought and like, this could lead on to the next question that Mm. I want to talk to you about is like that initial thought of, um, maybe I shouldn't bring this up with you or Mm. maybe I shouldn't talk about this with you because obviously you've had something so like horrible happen in your Mm. life that nobody should ever have to go through. But then I remember you, like, I'll never forget the moment sitting at your table and you just looked at me and you were like, no, that's another form of grief. Like what you're going through Mm. right now is a different form of grief. And like, that's okay that you feel that way. And I just like took the deepest breath, even in my own healing and was like, oh my God, like the fact that even she's saying that to me and that I can give that name to what Mm. I'm feeling just made me feel like I wasn't crazy. Mm, Like I literally mm. was like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like this is what this feels like. Like this is what is actually going on. I'm not a psychopath that's had, you know, that has no reasoning to feel this way. But like actually my body is just like going through these motions of like what's happened to me as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think there is so much power in talking about what we're talking about so that other people don't feel that, don't feel like they're almost their own enemy because Mm -hmm. like or their brain is their own enemy because – they're comparing themselves to other yeah. people or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that's like something really important is that like I think people are so amazing and rally around people when someone passes away and like, you know, because they can all, everyone can empathise with grief and loss and whether grief. I know that is the one. Yeah. <laughs> How about cocktail going? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's not the word. Um, uh <laughs> I think that like everyone is can really empathize with that mm. and I think that it's you know because everyone knows what it feels like to lose someone and whether that's because someone's passed away or whether that's because someone's moved away or whether that's because someone's just your relationship yeah. has broken down I think that's something everyone can feel and I really think that it would be amazing for people to sort of be able to reframe that in terms of you know thinking about losing friends think about losing partners like you know, I think it's all a part of grief and loss and it is, and even, you know, thinking about, like, I don't think anyone thinks that 2020 was the best year of their lives. Like, you know, everyone was having a hard time with COVID. And I, again, think that is a form of grief. Like people were grieving this life they had. And I think, you know, for people like us who are in what we know as the prime of our lives, you know, in your early mid twenties, like we should be living and traveling and like, you know, take away my grief. Like, you know, it's really, you're having to to sort of reframe that. Now we've lost basically an entire another year of our lives with COVID as well. And like, you know, it's all grief and loss and, you know, just trying to adjust to that. And it is what it is basically. And we're. Yeah. And mm. I think like kind of what we, we've touched on before as well is that thing of, um, I guess like something that I've realized more a lot more lately is you accept it, but it's not about accepting it and then pretending it never happened. It's about Mm -hmm. accepting it and then living with it. And like, even with you, like what we spoke about, it's not even necessarily living with it in terms of like, Oh, I've just got to live with this like dark cloud on my Mm -hmm, shoulder, mm -hmm. but living it, living it in a way that's like, no, I want to keep Liam's memory alive. Like, you know, even I know that sometimes when I'm cooking something like he pops into my head, you know, and having that like, they're just, it's there. It's a part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I think that's, um, you know, something I've spoken about to you before, like, um, you know, when Liam first passed away, I remember walking with my brother Rory and us saying that, you know, I don't want to meet new people now because they don't know Liam, like all the people in my life now, they know Liam and they know like, 
you know, that he's my brother and I don't want to have to go through this life and have to, you know, have, you know, those awkward conversations like how many siblings have you got? Like I don't want to have to go through that. I don't want to have to explain to people I've got a brother and then I have another brother but he passed away. Like I don't want to have to do that. I want to just have the people I know. But I think it's about finding a way to keep his memory alive and like not being ashamed about having to say because I think like a lot of the time it's not you who's awkward like it's the people it's someone else having to know how to handle that and like it's okay to feel uncomfortable and someone tells you that someone's passed away like because it is and you don't often know what to say but like you know it is what it is and I think that something I really like is hearing my friends talk about how they, you know, thought of Liam when they're doing something or telling me a story I haven't heard or, um, you know, letting, giving me a space where I feel like I can talk about Liam and, you know, have people respond to that, you know, a really positive way. Like I think that's really important for me because, you know, as I was just saying, we're in this age where like it's not realistic to think I'm never going to meet new people and I want to be able to meet new people and I want to feel comfortable and confident to be like, yeah, I, like my brother passed away and like it was, it's really hard but like it's fine because he was awesome and let me tell you about him and like, you know, I want to be able to have kids one day and be like, Mm. you know, this is your uncle who passed away but like he was let's talk about him and like have them talk about him and, you know, have that memory live on. And when I talk about things like he loved music and he loved food, like that is something that I can do that through and creates a platform to me for me to be able to keep that memory alive and, you know, things like that. I just think it's. Well, we didn't even mention it, but like literally before we jumped on like this cocktail that you've made me. Yeah. Yeah. This was a Liam well, special to me. I don't know, people are probably like, he didn't invent it. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like things like this, um, you know, he was a big whiskey drinker and uh, Christmas 2018 he and Rory were making lots of whiskey drinks which are not my cup of tea <laughs> and they whipped me up about six of these and they went down an absolute treat and I have always loved a Charlie Chaplin anyway. So, for a little tradition we've started is that on Liam's birthday we all get each other a gift that we mm. like reminds us of Liam. So Rory oh, got I me. Heard this yeah, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Liam. So anyway, so for Liam's birthday this year, Rory got me the ingredients for Charlie Chaplin's, which is that what we're drinking. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's so it's really nice. So. That and is, I feel really, like, the minute you said that to me, I was like, oh, I feel really grateful that you're, like, sharing that with me. Like, it oh, feels well. really special. Well, thanks for giving me a platform mm. to feel <laughs> safe to do that. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I feel like I really want to ask you as well, though, do you think that it put anything into perspective in terms of your own life and the way that you live as well? Like, do you think, I mean, I know you've changed as a human. Like mm-hmm. you said, you're not the person you were on March 1st, 2020, yeah. but what's, like, fundamentally change like what do you think it is um I think like in a lots of ways I think like I you know I don't know whether I don't know what happens when you die like you know but if there's an abyss out there that Liam's in like I kind of it sounds so cheesy but like I kind of want to live a life where you know he's looking down and being like okay cool like she's doing all right (laughs) like she's not falling in a heap or and if I am falling in a heap I'm like well I would just look out into the abyss and be like this is your fault (laughs) you bastard (laughs) you made me sad um yeah but like I think it I think it you know I've never I think before I didn't know this level of grief but like I knew things like heartbreak and I didn't I never would have framed it in a way of um you know grief and loss but I think being able to talk to my friends following Liam's death and um, about, you know, their feelings. I think like, you know, it is nice to be able to validate people's feelings in that way. And I think, you know, and that's something I do at work. Like I'm a social worker at a hospital and quite often I'm talking to people about their feelings. And I think it's, 
you know, created a whole new level of empathy. And like, I don't really talk to patients about, you know, what's happened for me, but it is funny. Like I, I had a patient a few months ago and I've, I've got a tattoo on my, um, inner leg, <laughs> in a, like in a foot. I don't know what's farther. It's quite low. It's not high. Yeah. Like if, if you, if my pants rose, you could see it on my inner ankle almost. <laughs> I didn't flash a patient. I swear. <laughs> Um, anyway, but I was sitting down and my pants, my, my, I've crossed my legs. And so you could kind of see it. And I was chatting to this patient who was, you know, chatting to me about how his life's really shit. And like it was, he was going through a really hard time and he went, Oh, is that a dragon's tattoo? Firstly, no, <laughs> <laughs> Why would I have a dragon's tattoo. And he went, Oh no, no, it's not. And then he went, <laughs> what is it? And I said, Oh, it's oh, for the people playing at home through the, it's a chef hat <laughs> and it has Liam's name in it because he was a chef and his name was Liam. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. And I said, Oh, it's a, it's a chef hat. It's like for my brother, he passed away last year. And honestly he, and then he went, which was really awkward. Oh, how did he die? And I'm just like, Mm. I'm not going to talk to you about how my brother, like this is me counselling you, my friend. <laughs> anyway, I just went, oh, you know, he he had an accident. But like it just was so interesting to me how this man changed how he was talking to me after that because it was just almost like he realised I was a human too and like <laughs> had gone through shit as well. Yeah, but like, you know, he was talking to me about all these things that were so awful for him but then like I think you know, by me disclosing to him that, yeah, this really shitty thing. Sorry, that burp. <laughs> We're drinking beer. Me. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, the indigestion. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was just like interesting to me how it's completely like for almost reframed to him that like, oh, I you're not like, a robot. <laughs> I feel like we shut off to other people's healing almost I don't know like like I have a I have the first tattoo I ever got is the word grace and Mm -hmm. it initially was kind of for Jeff Buckley but it was tied into this idea that I remember at 18 I think we go through our teenage years being teenagers and being assholes and then I kind of came out the other side and was like oh this concept of you really don't know what the next person is going through and you really yeah. need to walk into every situation with that idea of mm-hmm. grace and have a lot of grace for that person. Yeah. But a lot of people, that's not our day-to-day life. We don't think that way. So I think there's yeah. like almost these blinders on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the minute it comes, the minute like the, you know, curtains fall or whatever it is, you're yeah. like, oh shit, you're a human too and yeah. you've been through this. And it's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like we can then relate and become immediately close to that person's humanity. Yes. And I guess that's why I find storytelling so important because it's like you can hear another person's story and immediately feel better about your humanity, Mm -hmm. but then relate to them and theirs even more as well. I don't know. Definitely. And I think it's funny that, um, people, you know, I've, I have found, when people are assholes to me sometimes, I'm a bit like, Ellie, you don't know what I've gone through. And then I'm yeah. like, well, I don't know what they've gone through, to be fair. <laughs> it's true. And, yeah, and you just, yeah. We don't know what anyone's gone through, so no. don't be an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> Live with grace. Don't ever be an asshole. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the last questions I really want to ask, which I think is a really important one, and I'm going to tell a little bit about, like, my side really mm-hmm. briefly, is mm-hmm. that... I think secondary to everything that happened in March last year, Mm. I also really struggled to watch, and I mean you would have as well with just your brother and your parents, Mm. but I felt like I was crying just as much about watching other people I loved be in so much pain. Mm. Mm. Like there was really that element of like, when you're watching someone that you care about so much be in so much pain, you just want to take it away, but you can't. Yeah. And I know you would have felt that about your family. Mm. I mean, what advice would you give to friends and other people that are navigating this with people that are close to them as well and what they can do to maybe support or help or what's not helpful or like what did you find or what would your advice be? Because 
I think like you said, like sometimes people can feel uncomfortable and I think the only reason why they feel uncomfortable is because they don't want to say something that's wrong. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to make the hurt worse. Yeah. yeah. And it comes from that place, but it ends up not being yeah. as good. So yeah. like what would you say is a good thing? For, you know, I mean, do you yeah. have any advice or can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I think just like, and I mean, I don't really know the practical way to do this, but like I guess how I was saying before, like, you know, being able to create that space to, for your, like that person to be able to talk about what they're going through. And I think, you know, sometimes people beat around the bush a little bit and, um, you know, won't, I just would really love for people to, at that time to acknowledge, I'm really sorry to hear about your brother. Like it's, that's really shit. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and just acknowledge that. Cause it'd be so, I would always find those situations way more uncomfortable where you'd be standing there like, Oh, I know, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, but you're not yeah, acknowledging and I think, it. I think it's really important. And I guess that's kind of been a theme for me is that like, I just think being able to have my feelings validated is really important to me. And by having people to create that space for me is really like, that's what I really appreciate. And um, yeah. And, you know, like even just, I think in the times, you know, after the first little while is when people reach out to you, that's like really means a lot. And I don't think that necessarily is like, you know, anniversaries and birthdays, like those things are really hard can be really tricky days but sometimes it's the lead up and sometimes it's the aftermath and I think knowing that your loved ones are there for you in those times is really important or like even if you know like another young guy passed away earlier this year and one of my lovely friends Tay just randomly messaged me even though she was grieving that loss and was like I know this would be hard for you too and I just found that really like moving because like I wasn't necessarily like thinking that much about it but like by her almost validating that if I was upset that was okay too was really like beautiful yeah yeah so I think like those kinds of things are really special and yeah I mean it's just hard and you gotta be easy on yourself too like I don't think as much as I like roll my eyes and laugh at say like that guy messaging me about being like an actress you know I want to know which actress it was I'll have to find it I'll have to find it but yeah like I guess you know there's so many things that can be stupid to say and like I mean I think I don't know that I necessarily got any like oh at least it's not yada 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 but yeah like yeah I mean I think don't not say anything at at risk of saying something that might be stupid because yeah. you can always be like, oh, sorry, that was a stupid thing to say and, you know, like I can't think of it. And people probably said stupid shit to me but I can't now sitting here go, yeah, that was really stupid. Like the only time really I felt like is this person serious is when I was trying to not um, I was trying to get academic consideration at uni because I was going to drop a subject or I think I was going to hand in an assignment late or something. I think it was just sort of to get academic consideration throughout the semester. I had to have a meeting with someone from the uni to, um, you know, chat about what, why I was needing that academic consideration. And she kept coming back to this point of, um, oh, you need to support your parents. You, you need to have this time off uni and you need to you know, be able to be flexible with your uni because you need to support your parents through this time. And she just like, at first when she said it, I was a bit like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then she kept sort of coming back to it. And I was just thinking like, yeah, like my parents are going through this really shit time, but like I've also just lost my brother. And like that's also very traumatic. And like as much as, yes, I will spend my time with my family and hopefully we will support each other, like I'm not, you know, I'm also just trying to get through this myself, let alone, you know, try and keep my parents above water. Like, I mean, I guess that's the opposite of validating someone's feelings, right? Yeah, it's literally yeah. the opposite. It's yeah. Like saying, oh, well, you're not supposed to be feeling that way. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like I think, you know, it's, and I, you know, my parents probably feel that they were trying to sort of get out of bed for 
me and Rory, but like I think we were all in a way sort of doing that for each other and like, you yeah. know, trying to keep their head above water to be like, I'm okay. And if I'm okay, everyone else is going to be okay. And like, we'll just, as, as Finding Nemo says, just keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like your other, I like your other quote better that you said before the, um, being thrown into the, what were we talking about? Being thrown into the deep end. Oh yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta, well, you just gotta keep swimming. You just gotta sleep. <laughs> Wait, it's not Nemo that says that. The story. <laughs> well, Ellen DeGeneres is cancelled now anyway, so whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right, well, I've got to fire some um, rapid questions at you. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey through grief that you would want to share with other people? I think it's just really important to take each day at a time and that's not just in the random, you know, amount of time that people make you think is the time you need to grieve. Like I think that's forever and I think that's learning who you are and what might trigger you and what might comfort you and what gets you through. And I think, you know, just taking each day at a time and I think, you know, being around people who make you feel safe and supported and validated is is great because it does take a village as they say (laughs) as someone wise once told me (laughs) oh my god I love you (laughs) and what impact are you trying to make especially with not just this podcast but also like even you moving into social work like Mm, I find that mm. really interesting as well but yeah what what would you really want to impart on other people and make sure that they knew I just think like, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I always, since I was little, sounds so like, I've always been an amazing person. <laughs> you have. Oh, but no, I just think like I've, I always have really, you know, I guess wanted to make people feel heard and supported. And like, I've always wanted to advocate for people and, you know, and I think that that's, you know, if that's something I can do now and if that's by storytelling or, you know, however it might be, I think that that's really important that other people feel heard and they feel then like they're not alone because I think, you know, something that I have found and, you know, in a really sad and shitty way, like a lot of people close to me have also lost siblings and there's really not a lot out there to that I have found personally that there is as a resource, as an adult that can, you know, articulate how you're feeling. There's definitely, you know, books and like, I, I loved Claire Bowditch's book that Mm. she's, she wrote about and that, you know, yeah, it's not entirely about grief, but she really touches on how losing her sister was sort of like fundamental in her, you know, growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, you know resources like that there's there's not many but it'd be so good to be able to hear that and I think even through this podcast I've mentioned that like you know things like I've heard on Darling Shine and have really stuck with me and I think that if I can do something that someone else might be able to hear and feel validated and supported then that's a job well done. (laughs) It is, girl. Mm-hmm. You're doing an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks. Well, the last question is an interesting one. I'm keen to know your answer. But what is something that you wish you could go and tell your teenage self? And I say teenage because it's just such an interesting time. Yeah. But, yeah, what would you go back and tell a little Immy? I knew her as well. She was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she was. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know about her. <laughs> no. um, I mean, I'd probably be like, buckle up, girl. <laughs> It's a bumpy ride. No. Look, I think I'd probably say something like it's, I don't know. I I don't, I was not, I never was really a teenager that I feel like I struggled with mental health and whether that's because I didn't have like a vocabulary around what I might've been feeling, but like, I can't really think of a time as a teenager where I was in a really dark place. Like, you know, I think there definitely was a period of time where I was trying to deal with you know, a lot of things at once, like when I was, you know, Liam being in a really dark place and losing my uncle and just going through the general heartbreaks of teenage life. 
like I think that probably feels like a really dark time and I think I wish I knew that I would get to a place in adulthood where like you know things are really dark and hard but I know myself enough to keep going and like you know let myself feel things and have a support network out there that will let me feel things too and I think like it's kind of funny because you know so many of my really close friends like you and Millie and you know like they are people that were there when I was growing up and it's nice to have those people here still and going Mm. through the going through the shit with me but that's really special and it's nice to also have those people who you know can keep Liam's memory alive and laugh with me and you know makes it all feel like it'll be all right well off the cuff then what would you say to Immy on that existed on the 2nd of March 2020 buckle in girl (laughs) (laughs) but is there something different like if you could go back to her right now what would you say to her um you know I think I'd just I mean, as much as I'm joking when I say buckle in, like, yeah, yeah you know, because it's not, it's not like a it's buckle in for the next month and it'll yeah. be good. It's like a buckle, buckle up, up because you're going to have to, you know. I think I've learned a lot about myself in the last year and, you know, I probably don't give myself enough credit, but, like, I, I have, you know, learnt how to roll with the ebbs and flows and, um yeah, I mean, I'm sure people like my boyfriend and my mum would probably be like, uh-huh, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> you handle everything beautifully. Should I get him on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no. It's, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I think I'd be like, tell her that she's got really a good support system and is really lucky because I think this past 18 months could have been much darker and harder, but I've got a lot of amazing people in my life who have, yeah, helped lift me up and keep me going when I need it. And, yeah, I guess that really is all about having a village. Mm. And that, like, genuinely, it really, it, yeah. it seriously does take a village because, you know, it's if when you have a really good good village like I do, it's like, you know, someone will notice if you're feeling low and it's so special to be able to have that and... Not everyone does and I feel very lucky and it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Well, you're amazing. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Should we go make another cocktail? Yeah, we should. (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) Well, I just want to thank you for being so vulnerable with me and telling your story and sharing that and just being an all-round gem. Oh, well, right back at ya. you. Love are. you. Love you so much. <laughs> and look at you on your pod. Oh, my God. Look at you. I'm obsessed with you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>